This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. It was the cover story of Time Magazine, November 29, 2010. It had a couple at their wedding looking forward, not toward the reader, looking with their backs toward the reader with these words in red. Who needs marriage? Who needs marriage? Well, obviously, the question being presented by Time Magazine back there 14 years ago was an indication that there was a great move afoot in America that marriage was on the outs. Who needs it? Who needs it? Well, we're going to talk about that here today on Viewpoint, and I believe that today's program is going to be very encouraging and helpful to a large number of people. So I hope you'll stay tuned, friends. The future of Christian marriage is what we're talking about here today on Viewpoint, and how to enjoy lasting love. How to enjoy lasting love. So stay tuned, friends. We're going to provide a lot of hope here on the program today. But ask any random group of 10 elderly couples about their marriage. And half of them are probably going to say something like this. Well, we were high school sweethearts. We tied the knot soon after graduation. Then we worked up from nothing, had some kids, and here we are. And being married made us who we are today. Well, that's pretty much the same with my wife and I. And it was so many different people from our generation. But today, according to a special article from the ChristianPost.com, we're told that that's not the view that most Christians have today, our young people. Today, they say that view has been replaced by a different one, which some call the capstone view of marriage. In the capstone view, marriage is a finishing touch to add to a life after individual careers have been achieved, personal goals have been checked off, and we've discovered who we are. So this massive shift in our ideas about marriage has all kinds of consequences from delaying weddings into their 30s to cratering the fertility rate in most developed nations around the world to normalizing premarital sex and cohabitation And still, the most consequential changes might be occurring within the church. The future of Christian marriage. The result of interviews with numerous Christian young people from seven different countries. So let me share some of these uh, thoughts with you here as we launch the program today on Viewpoint. One of the most counterintuitive findings of the future of Christian marriage is that Christian young people around the world still have a recognizably biblical ideal for what marriage should be, the life lifelong union of a man and woman, that children are part of God's design for marriage, that marriage is a picture of Christ and his church. But the problem is, tragically, by the way, that far fewer are practicing or are even trying to practice that design. The average age, for instance, of first marriage is nearing historic highs in nearly every country. And cohabitation is quickly becoming a common choice lifestyle, even for young people within the church. In fact, 
in our country, cohabitation has become the family style of choice. Young people, including Christian young people, just aren't seemingly into marriage. Marriage reorients our energies and affections away from ourselves and toward others in a way nothing else does other than parenting. So if we want Christian marriage to have a future, we've got to change this capstone view, said the authors. Well, how do we do that? What's involved? We're going to dig deeper into this here today on Viewpoint, and we're going to provide a solution. That is, if we have a heart and a willingness to embrace it. Some people might be in what they think to be an unhappy marriage. And there are times when almost every marriage experiences something like that at some level. Things aren't always uh, joyful, aren't always lovey-dovey, aren't always uh, at the height of uh, whatever it was that we felt when we were dating or going together. But according to two different sources now, in fact, many more than that, from the U.K., came this report, staying in an unhappy marriage could be the best thing you do, according to a new study. Well, digging a little deeper on that, we go to a report that came from the pastor's weekly briefing from Focus on the Family. Couples who stay in an unhappy marriage and tough it out until things turn around are more likely to be happy five years later than those who decide to divorce. That was according to a new study from the University of Chicago. Of the unhappy partners who ended their marriage, about half were happy five years later. But of unhappy spouses who took a work-it-out approach and stayed together, about two-thirds were happy five years later. The study looked at the data of 5,232 married couples from the National Survey of Families and Households and found that the most troubled marriages had the biggest turnarounds, with about 80% reporting happiness five years later. So what, what led to the positive changes in their relationships? Well, marriage has improved in three ways. Marital endurance. Over time, job situations improved, children got older or better, and ongoing problems were viewed in a new perspective. Then there was marital work. Spouses actively work to change behavior and solve problems or improve communications. And finally, personal change. One or both partners found ways to improve their own happiness despite a mediocre marriage. Well, these are good reports. In other words, there is hope. There is hope on the horizon, yes, even for your marriage. Don Fetter, a uh, Jewish man, wrote, If marriage is lost... We lose everything. If marriage is lost, we lose everything. And he's right. But why is he right? Well, let's talk about that, why he might be right. Marriage is uniquely crafted by our Creator to fulfill not only our need to procreate, but to find Fellowship in our species is made in the image of God. Joyfully lived and lovingly expressed, marriage then becomes a virtual miracle to humanly display the glory of God on an otherwise 
selfish, self-centered planet that thinks only of selfies. For this reason, the divine design is under dire attack, as you know, threatening to sever the final threads and deface the beautiful tapestry woven over millennia into the divine plan for human destiny, culminating in the promised wedding of a pure and holy bride to God's perfect bridegroom, the Messiah. So there we get a distilled understanding, a simple understanding preview of what we're going to be looking at here today on Viewpoint. But it's painfully clear that the prevailing winds of our time all over the world are against Christian marriage and marriage as a whole. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. How can we restore the good ship marriage? Or is it going to sink in our generation? Again, it's painfully clear that the prevailing winds of our time all over the world, yet pervasively in the so-called Christian Western world, are not favorable to sailing the good ship marriage. A tsunami of relational brokenness has swept over the North American continent, precipitated by an unprecedented moral and spiritual truth quake back in the 1960s that decoupled marriage and family from their moral and spiritual foundation. So the unrelenting aftershocks of that have devastatingly fractured not only the family, but supporting faith itself. So our very faith is on the line, friends, whether we realize it or not. The persisting tidal waves of slavish service to our self, capital S self, have deadened our souls, leaving a wake of indescribable destruction, not only for ourselves, but also for our posterity. And even the rabbis of Israel now are warning of the accelerating scourge of marital demise sweeping the proverbial holy land. They say they're following in the path the jet stream that America has laid out. Wow. Hmm. So what do we do about it? Where can we go from here? Because we don't want to beat a dead horse. Of course, if the horse isn't quite dead but just dying, maybe we can resuscitate it. And so we want to talk about that here today on Viewpoint. And let's suppose that you have what you believe to be a good marriage or a satisfactory marriage. Can it be better? A number of years ago, actually, just preceding our 50th wedding anniversary, my wife and I, uh, this year, will celebrate our 58th, our 58th wedding anniversary. But there was a moment in time back after somewhere between seven and ten years of marriage when we were 
up to our eyeballs in uh, so many different things. Like I was uh, working full time as a school teacher and going to law school at night and putting my wife through college all at the same time. There came a time when we were kind of like two ships passing in the night. And Kathy came to me one day and she says, Chuck, I, I just don't have any more feelings for you. And it scares me. She didn't scream at me. It was a very sobering thing that she said. But it sure got my attention, I'll tell you. And uh, so I went to the Lord for some direction, believe it or not. I could have said, well, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. Sorry about that. But I didn't. And uh, so I went to the Lord behind behind the scenes, so to speak, and had a little tete-a-tete with him. And uh, he gave me some direction. So I began to read and meditate and indeed memorize the Sermon on the Mount, starting with Beatitudes. And because I had to be at school to teach at 7.30 in the morning, and uh, that would take me a half-hour drive, and because I had just gotten back from law school at 10 o'clock at night, uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of time there, but I got up at 5 in the morning every single morning, and I began to read the Beatitudes. And I began to read them differently than I'd ever read them before. And then I wrote them down on a three by five card and took that card with me in the car and began to memorize those every day. And then I went beyond the Beatitudes to read and to memorize the entire three chapters of the Sermon on the Mount. All of those things setting the stage for a Christian's attitude toward life. And you know what happened? Within 30 days, my wife came to me and recognized that something had changed in my life. Now, we were both Christians. We've been Christians since we were five years of age and never really tried to walk away from the Lord in any way whatsoever. But learning how to be married, and even through tough times, see, we had to endure. We had to press forward. We had to keep on going. And... uh, It's interesting that now Kathy says, you know, we're in the very best season of all. Approaching our 58th year of marriage. There's hope, friends. There's hope. And that's why before our 50th wedding anniversary, I talked to Kathy about, that's my wife, I talked to her about what we should do in celebrating that 50th wedding anniversary. Should we spend some money and go on a fancy trip or buy something special? And we decided, no, we're going to write a book. We're going to write a book that will carry a legacy for our children, our grandchildren, for everyone who will read it. Because it contains enduring secrets for marital success that the Lord gave to us before we even wrote the book. It's called A Marital Motto. And uh, it's contained in a beautiful Absolutely beautiful book called Lasting Love. It's a small book, very small book, gold with uh, beautiful lettering on it, Enduring Secrets for Marital Success. The title of the book, Lasting Love. And it it contains our story, but more than that, it actually opens up this marital motto that will change your life, just as it did ours. I want to make it available to you. It's a $14 book. Hardcover yours for $10. Want to make it easy for you to get it? 
In fact, want to make it easy for you to not only get it for yourself, but maybe numerous copies for your children, your grandchildren, others that you know uh, are going to be getting married soon or are having difficulty in their marriages. Just had a woman from uh, Canada just ordered, what was it, four or five copies of this book. She says, that's what I do with them. That's what I do with them. And this this isn't the first time she's ordered that. So this is a book that contains more. It's not just a book, friends. It's an expression of the heart, God's heart, that will change your life or the life of those in your sphere of influence. $10 on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org, again, the title is Lasting Love. And uh, uh, you can give us a call at one 800 Save USA, that's 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. And as you know, with every successive book, it's only $2 for postage and handling on top of that. So uh, I would urge you to avail yourself of it. I mean, we actually have this special day called Valentine's Day coming up here uh, in a week or so. And uh, then the season of marriages in May and June is coming up. So this is a great time to uh, avail yourself of something that will make a difference. It will make a difference. People want to know, well, what can I do? What can I do to make a difference? Friends, this is something you can do. You can take something that you didn't help produce, but somebody else did, And you then can become the echoing chamber for that message, very much like uh, these new, uh, what do they call them, towers that they put up uh, for, usually for FM channels, to multiply the signal out beyond. There's there's small little towers that go out to multiply a, a signal out from the main station. That's what you can be. A lot of people do that with our books and materials. And even with this radio program itself, that's what people do. They tell other people about it. Now, not everybody responds, but not everybody responded to Jesus either, right? Not everybody responded to the apostles, including the apostle Paul. Not everybody's going to respond to you or to me, but you and I have the opportunity to be God's hand and voice extended by doing those things. Use these tools that are available to you. Make them yours. Embrace them. It's not about selling books. We don't make anybody money at all with books. Did you know that? It's true. We don't. Because the kind of things that we write are not designed to sell mega copies. They're designed to change lives. And there's a difference. There is a, a difference. So the book, again, Lasting Love. And uh, so let's move forward here and take a little bit, a further look at what's going on here in uh, this matter of marriage. The, the battle to preserve, protect, and prosper the miracle of marriage as the divine design is raging 
ripping to shreds the rational or relational and social fabric of entire nations, preparing the way for godless governments to progressively usurp the role of father and family, even promising to be the mother of us all. That's what's happening. And in the midst of the fray, marriage still remains the miracle of divine design. So the creator now, God, says that's why has established this so that my wife and I feel compelled to present this motto to reinforce our marital foundation so that lasting love can become a life message for you, a living legacy. And marriage matters. Your marriage matters. It matters to God. It it matters to God. And God calls marriage a mystery. Remember, the Apostle Paul talked about it, Ephesians chapter 5, and mysteries are intended to be solved, to be discovered, to be revealed. And that's God's heart and his desire for each one of us, that our marriages right here on this planet reflect and reveal his plan, his purposes, in fact, his very glory. So, believe it or not, You may not have thought about it this way, but your marriage and ours is intended to be and is the smallest unit of the church. And that's the reason why, friends, no sooner had God performed the first marriage there in the Garden of Eden that the very next chapter, chapter 3 of the book of Genesis says, then the serpent, the deceiver came and tore it all apart. Do you see how important this is? The deceiver knew how important it was. And he came in there and did his dastardly deed to deceive Eve. And Adam went along with it. Adam was not deceived. Eve was deceived. And now a marriage marriage is under siege as never before, right on the near edge of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Can you believe this? And you thought the the biggest problem was the economy. You thought the biggest problem was at the border. As big as those problems are, they don't even begin to hold a candle to this one. Even a very liberal pastor, back in 2011, wrote an article called Marriage Under Siege. He said, our long-held definition is being threatened by two unlikely partners, gay marriage and Christian infidelity. Christian infidelity. Now, I would add to that, since 2011, cohabitation has been the other great competitor. Gay marriage, Christian infidelity, and cohabitation. Those are the things now that are shaking up our world, the United States of America, and everything in the very fabric of our country, the moral and spiritual fabric of our country, are being destroyed. And I think back, as I practiced law there in Southern California from 1975 onward for 20 years, it was in 1968, just before I began the practice of law there in Southern California that Ronald Reagan, 
as then governor of California, launched and signed the No Fault Divorce Act. It catapulted the divorce plan throughout the country, first in California, and rapidly made its way across the United States and through our churches. And then, no sooner had that happened in the early 1970s that the, then our churches began and our pastors began to promote or at least affirm what God called adultery. Remarriage, when our spouses were still living. Jesus called it adultery. Paul called it adultery. So what do we call it? You see how these things have happened? And here we are, on the near edge of the second coming of Jesus Christ, and we're not ready. No wonder Christianity Today had a piece that came out called Vanishing Vows, and the church saved what's left of marriage. We'll be back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismar. Our viewpoint is determining destiny. Our viewpoint of marriage is determining destiny. Our viewpoint of what it means to uh, demonstrate the glory of God on this planet uh, is determining destiny. And when we break down our marriages, we are proving living proof that God can't do what he said he would do, or that we don't believe that he could if we would only allow that opportunity to take place. Well, Again, Christianity Today, back in 2020, had a cover story, Vanishing Vows. Can the church save what's left of Christian marriage? Why would Christianity Today feel like it had to ask that question? Because they came to the conclusion that marriage in the church was falling apart. Not just mildly, but seriously. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, we have an answer. My wife and I put a book together called Lasting Love in celebration of our 50th wedding anniversary. It contains a motto that has radically changed our life. And it's laid out in such a way that you can read it in very short little segments. Very short little segments. And it's like a gift book. 
It's something you could lay on your nightstand. And we want to make it available to you. For your gift of $10 or more to Save America Ministries, it is a $14 book, hardbound book, beautiful padded cover, and uh, one that you will delight to have in your possession and will be delighted even more so to be able to give away. Jerry McCamp made a very interesting statement. He said, you can never be happily married to another until you get a divorce from yourself. You see, that's the problem that we have today. In this day of selfies, self is everything, and if self is everything, then your spouse is only there to serve you. And it's interesting, just the other day, my wife and I were in a store, and there was a delightful young lady there, and we were just chatting with her, trying to be friends, and uh, she had indicated that... uh, she had a boyfriend or something, and so my wife asked her, so, oh, well, are you? when is your marriage date? And uh, the young woman responded, well, we're not getting married right now. Uh, we're getting ready to move in together. He said, oh, really, why? why? Well, she said, it's because I don't want to get married to somebody that I haven't proved that I can live with. Okay. You see, that's putting the cart before the horse. It really is changing everything. And that's what's happening today. And of course, our young people are scared to death of getting married because they watched what happened to their parents and grandparents who divorced. And they said, well, we don't want that to happen. So you see how the echoing consequences of all of this is carrying on. So let me just share a few little things with you uh, concerning this marital motto And it it all begins with seeing your marriage as a garden. Now, I don't know about you, but I I happen to love landscaping. I love gardening and so on. uh, Because it gets me back uh, to nature, and I can see what God does in bringing things back to life and restoring them and so on, even after a hard winter. So a beautiful garden, as you know, is, is a joy to behold. An awful lot of people... Uh, They like to look at a garden, but they don't want to put the effort into developing the garden that they're looking at. So marriage is very much like that. And uh, if we don't have the idea that our marriage is a garden to be developed before the Lord, then we just, we're missing the point. And as Fawn Weaver said, keep the fire lit in your marriage and your life will be filled with warmth. But if you don't keep the fire lit, if you don't take care of the garden, well, you know what's going to happen. You know what happened? The weeds come up. The weeds come up, and if you don't water the garden, it uh, dries up. If you don't prune and trim away things that are growing out of their proper place, uh, it just doesn't look right. The same thing happens in our marriages. So, The state of matrimony, Benjamin Franklin had something to say about this, by the way. Here's what he said. The happy state of matrimony is undoubtedly the surest and most lasting foundation of comfort and love, the cause of all good order in the world, and what alone preserves it from the utmost confusion. And it's a miracle 
a divine miracle, divine design. So, in this book, we have a marriage model. And it begins with an attitude. You see, everything begins with an attitude. Remember I told you that the Lord had to work on me with my attitude. They're in the B, attitudes. And the first thing we have to do is begin with an attitude. An attitude of gratitude. If we don't have an attitude of gratitude, we're going to be ungrateful. And if you're ungrateful for your spouse, things aren't going to go well. So the very first thing that the Lord revealed to me about 25 years ago was the unbelievable importance of gratitude. And once I got the picture of that in my mind and my heart, it changed everything. It changed my outlook toward a lot of people, changed my outlook toward what God was doing or not doing in my life, what I thought he was doing or not doing. And it also even miraculously changed my attitude toward my spouse so that my whole view changed. And every day I find myself thanking the Lord for Kathy. And at night when we lay in bed, I put my hand over. Usually she goes to bed early and I put my hand over and touch her, and am praying and thanking the Lord and being very specific about it. An attitude of gratitude. And that's where it begins. You have no idea what a change that will make. I guarantee you, friend, you have no idea what a change that will make. You talk to the Lord and say, I want to have an attitude of gratitude. Will you help me? You make the choice, and God will help you make the changes by his Holy Spirit. He will, because that's what he wants. In fact, he actually says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. Did you know that? Now, with that in mind, the next step is we will consider one another. We will consider one another. In other words, we're going to think about each other. We're going to think about the other's viewpoint. We're going to think about the other's uh, goals and desires and purposes and needs and so on. In other words, I'm not going to be thinking only of myself. That's what selfies do. That's the spirit of our age, isn't it? So with an attitude of gratitude, then, that opens my mind and heart to my spouse, now I'm in a position to consider him or her. But how am I going to do that? What does that consideration deal with? Well, there are five things that are part of this motto. It's a seven-part motto. Begins with the attitude of gratitude, continues with considering one another, and purposing to do five things. Five things. And I'm going to share with you what those five things are after the next break. But before we get to that, let me just kind of dig around a little bit in your marital garden. We know 
from reports throughout the the country from both secular and Christian sources that pornography is eating up our relationships, destroying marriages. Pornography is adultery, pure and simple. Jesus said, you say, but I say. What did he say? He said that if you look upon a woman to lust after her, you have committed adultery already in your heart. In other words, you're held responsible before God. That's why, friends, why do you think pornography is being presented on your computer? You know, there are certain websites, even news websites that I go to, that flood the sides of the pages with all kinds of not necessarily pornography, but something coming very close to it, trying to lure you. They're seductive images. I can't afford to look at them. And certainly, if I see them out of the corner of my eye, I can't afford to dwell on them, and I will not, because I know that the serpent is there to steal, kill, and destroy. And you know that, too. Over 70% of professing Christian men admit that pornography is a problem in their life. So what do you think it's going to do to your marriage? What do you think your wife is going to think about you? And even if you think you're hiding it from her, it all comes out. One way or another, it comes out in your attitudes, comes out of your sexual relationship, it comes out in many different ways. And you're putting others ahead of your wife. You're actually committing adultery from God's viewpoint. And pastors, over 30% of pastors admit to pornography, and 34% of Christian women admit to pursuing a feminine form of pornography. Got to stop it, friends. Can't continue this. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. It may surprise you, my friends. It may surprise you that married people, even impoverished married people, 
typically live longer than divorced or never married peers. That came out of a study published in the American Journal of Public Health. Can you believe that? So not only do we please God by persevering to live godly in Christ Jesus through our marriages, but we also experience practical benefits as well. And marriage should be a duet, not a duel, right? A duet, not a duel. But some people act like they were married by the Secretary of War and not by the Justice of the Peace. How about, how's it working in your marriage? Let me just share a few statistics here before we get back uh, into looking further at the marital motto and how to develop these enduring secrets for marital success. Right now, the divorce rate in the U.S. is around 39%. It's gone down. But the reason it's gone down is because cohabitation rates have gone up commensurately so that, in effect, the divorce rate, for all practical purposes, has not diminished at all. The average length of a marriage that ends in divorce is about eight years. I found that to be true in the practice of law, even among Christian clients. Women, believe it or not, file for 66% of the divorces. 66%. The most common age for divorce is between 25 to 39 years old. The median age for divorce is 39. The divorce rate among those over 50 has doubled since the 1990s. In fact, there is an area, a renowned, uh, what would you call it, almost like a little city down there in Florida for retired folk. You won't believe this, but actually the... uh, STD rate down there is one of the highest in the country, in that area, among retired folk. Mm. The average age for couples to divorce for the first time is 30 years old for men and 29 years old for women. The divorce rate for first marriages within the first five years is around 20%. The divorce rate for military couples is higher than the general population. The percentage of divorce adults in the U.S. has more than doubled since 1960, gone up to 22%. In the U.S., the average cost of a divorce is about $20,000. The percentage of divorce adults who remarry is around 75%, which tells us Since most of those still have spouses that are living, the adultery rate in this country is overwhelming, even in God's house. And 40% of couples who cohabitate before marriage get divorced, 40%. The divorce rate for couples who marry before age 25 is around twice as high as for those who marry after age 25, and that's primarily because of the sexualization of our society. And the divorce rate for same-sex couples is about 
So that gives you a little bit of an idea coming from a document that provides 113 divorce statistics for 2023. Now, we don't want to leave it there. We want to move forward to how to solve this problem, how to sow the seeds of hope, because hope is much needed, isn't it? Don't we need hope? The heart needs hope. And we need hope for our marriages. So we're going to take a look now at the other elements of our marriage, our marital motto. It begins again with an attitude of gratitude, following by the necessity of considering one another to do five things, just five things, and we do them daily. This is a new habit, a new pattern that we build into our life. My wife and I have engaged in this so much so that we don't even have to really think about it anymore because we naturally do these things every day. Every day. So here we go. The first thing is to prefer one another. Not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, but to prefer one another. Isn't that what the Bible says concerning the body of Christ, that we're to, in honor, prefer one another? How can we do that in the body of Christ if we're not even doing it in our homes? Yeah, this stuff really, really changes everything. It will change our entire church experience with the congregation, with the broader body of Christ. Because the body of Christ begins with a married couple. You and your spouse. Me and my spouse. The next thing that we do daily, we purpose to do daily, is to pursue one another. Isn't that what you did when you were dating, isn't that what you did? You know, it's kind of like my father uh, said so often. Uh, I, how did, how did he put it? She chased me and chased me and chased me until I found her, something like that. Or maybe it was just the opposite. Anyway, <laughs> pursuing one another. We know, we know what that means. When Kathy and I were going together, I would do anything, I would drive a half an hour to be with her for 15 minutes. Really. We pursued one another. Are you doing that today in your marriage? Why not? Maybe it's because you don't have an attitude of gratitude. Maybe it's because you're not considering your your spouse. Maybe it's because you don't prefer your spouse, you prefer yourself. So, Prefer one another and pursue one another. Isn't that what we think that God, we're being told that God will do that, that Christ is pursuing us? Really? Why would he do that for you? Why? If you're so self-centered. If you're not considering him, the Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Pursue him. Seek him with a whole heart, and he will be found of you, said the Lord. The same with our spouses. Pursue one another. And then praise one another. Affirm one another daily. 
Now, you may have initially because you may be in uh, the outs pretty bad with your spouse. There may be uh, some very modified feelings there. And uh, it begins with developing the attitude of gratitude. The more we develop the attitude of gratitude, the more we're able to freely praise one another. And we find things. We're aware. We're considering one another, preferring one another, pursuing one another. So it opens the door for praising one another. Now, God wants us to praise him. In fact, the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. Now, if the Lord inhabits the praises of his people, what do you think your spouse will do when you praise her or him? Come on, these things aren't that hard, are they? It's just that we're so self-centered. And God has to get our attention. And this book, you see, is an easy way to kind of get into the pattern, to get into the pattern so that God can begin to do in our marriages what you and I wish would happen, but don't see how it's going to happen. And my friend Jim Dobson, Dr. James Dobson, said marriage succeeds only as a lifetime commitment with no escape clauses. No escape clauses. My wife and I have never, I can say this with a straight face, my wife and I have never used the D word in conjunction with our marriage. Never. That's the divorce word. Never. And it shouldn't happen in your marriage either. There are no escape clauses. You made a vow till death do us part, and you vowed before God. And the scripture says, don't say before the angel that it was an error. No. You made the vow, and you keep the vow. Now, what we're doing is helping to understand how to do that out so that there could be joy and hope in the camp. And if you will follow these things, that's why I'm urging you to get a copy of the book, Lasting Love. If you'll follow these things, or anybody that you love will follow these things, their life will change. And the dimensions of your family, even your extended family, will change. The next item is to protect one another. If you're preferring one another and pursuing one another and praising one another, you're surely going to want to protect them. And there are many ways to protect your spouse. My wife finds ways to protect me frequently. And she knows that I find ways to protect her. To protect her against certain kinds of influences that she's not prepared to understand. And so, you see, Adam should have protected his wife Eve. But he didn't. And the rest is history. Husbands are to protect their wives. In this evil day, we need that more than ever. And one way we protect each other is to, with an attitude of gratitude, consider one another, prefer one another, pursue one another, and praise one another. That will keep the home fires burning, friends. And then finally, we pray for one another. Every single day, we start our day. 
This is something we began about 25 years ago. I used to get up early in the morning every day for, well, ever since we were, virtually ever since we were married, spend time with the Lord. But then the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you really need to be doing this with your wife. So I went to Kathy and shared the thought with her, and she was delighted, thrilled, actually. And so we began every morning, not reading some gospel, not some little devotional thing, but reading the Bible. That's God's word. And as we would read it, we weren't reading it to try to read a certain number of chapters or pages, but rather to read read for content and for inspiration and for direction in righteousness. And then we would talk about it. And then we would apply certain things that would come into our minds and hearts regarding our family and regarding other folk that God put on our hearts. And then we would pray together every single morning. When I say every single morning, I say without fail. When I have to be out of town or when she has to be out of town or somewhere else, we still do it. How do we do it? By cell phone. Exactly the same way. We will not forsake this motto because it is life-giving. My wife says that this is the best thing that ever happened to our marriage. It will be the best thing that happened to you, too. The book, Lasting Love, Enduring Secrets for Marital Success, it's a $14 book, hardbound book, beautiful gift book, yours on our website, saveus.org. This is not a book promotion. This is a promotion of a life-giving message that will change everything and give you hope and those around you. The website, saveus.org. You can call us 1-800-SAVE-USA, or you can write to us. If you're writing, add $5 for postage and handling for the first book and $2 for each successive book. Get many. Give them away to people that are getting married, to people that are struggling in their marriages, and then have one for yourself. God bless, be a blessing, and become a part. Do it today. Don't delay. Lasting love. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.